Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast. Today we welcome our eighth guest to the podcast. Her name is Alessia Trost. Alessia is a professional high jumper and has consistently represented Italy at various major events such as the European and World Championships and has also competed at the Rio 2016 Olympics. So Alessia has achieved the third Italian best measure of all time jumping 1.98 meters and her current all-time record is two meters. Alessia's major accomplishments have been winning gold at her first Youth Olympics, coming third at the European Teen Championships in 2017 and third at the World Indoor Championships in 2018. So let's welcome Alessia to the podcast. Hello. How are you? Fine. You good? Yeah, all good. Do you not get caught in the traffic then? Yeah, I was queuing up. I've never queued up to come back home. So I was like, oh my God, not today. <laughs> are, you in a, are you in Italy currently? uh yeah yeah it's probably because um, italy are playing like in two hours well uh, yeah 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 people are going back home to see yeah you know there is italy against swiss yeah. and i'm living so close to the border like oh, wow. i went to swiss to go to the physio actually so no tonight's way. gonna be a big big game <laughs> yeah. wow yeah yeah i saw in an interview last year that you didn't uh particularly like football uh, that's not okay with us because we love we love football. <laughs> but I promise I'll follow European. That's good. <laughs> but after this podcast, there it's going straight on. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm going to the pub. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. You love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, sort of where we start with our podcast guests is sort of getting sort of them to talk about their journey, um, sort of from the start. So. Obviously, growing up in Italy, like, what was that like? And so how did you get into high jumping? Like, just take us from the start, growing up. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, and thank you for inv- for the invitation. So nice to be here, guys. Um, I started jumping, I would say, because of my father. <laughs> but thanks to him, too. He was a runner and he usually brought brought me with him to uh, competitions. So I just follow. Then I started to go to the track. Uh, He started to coach a a small team of guys or little kids. And yeah, I was was just following him. Like, you know, going to the track, it was a nice place where to be. It was a a park basically (laughs) where you would find your friends. And then when I was, I really had a, nice time there then when i was uh 14 15 i met my first high jump coach he was called uh, john franco uh, and we started doing high jump like a little bit uh, more seriously and uh, that was you know when you're young you just enjoy what you're doing so i uh, i was tall i was enjoying uh I, I was having a good time at the track and i was also winning which helps <laughs> so i really fell in love with hydro and with track and field atmosphere and when i was 18 i entered fiamme gialle club which is a military club here in italy that's the only way we have here to be professional uh and then high jump became my job and my biggest passion <laughs> yeah oh, wow. so was there any other track and field like uh events that you were interested in or was it just solely high jump that sort of um took your heart uh i really loved high jump because i love to run the curve which is the 
the part of my uh, jumping that I love and the part of my jumping that I hate. <laughs> it's a love and hate relationship. But uh, I I did uh, multi. Uh, okay. Is it the way to say it? Like a, yeah. a pentathlon, a pentathlon. Yeah, like till... a decathlon. Yeah, sort of. So what, Jess Ennis does? Jess Ennis. Oh. Yeah. What? Sorry. Jess Ennis. Is it so what she did? Jessica oh yeah. Ennis. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a, a book <laughs> when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I was till when I was uh, twenty, and then I moved to only high gym work. Okay workout yeah it's quite a late sort of transition then like it's going to strictly high jump at um 20 like what sort of is the career span for a high jump like when do you sort of retire from high jump do you think uh there is ruth Betia, uh the spanish jumper uh queried high jump when she was 38 and oh, wow. she she was olympic champion uh in 2016 and she was 37 so oh. it can be a long career, but most of the time is a short one, like 33, 32. Then, then, you know, for women, it's also about having kids, wanting to have kids. So yeah. at a certain point, you're quite scared about how your body is going to, to be after uh, giving birth to a child. So uh, many tries to have kids while they're competing and then they're back to the track. Many quit. Uh, I mean, if you're healthy, I think you can have a quite long career. We also saw that you went to university uh, whilst. So how was that kind of balancing, uh, you know, trying to, to improve as a high jumper and focusing on your studies? Did you find that easy kind of balancing the two or? Till when I was in high school, and that was perfect balance between studying and competing and training. When I started studying at university, uh, that was quite difficult because you know you to do track and field, but I wanted to be a good student at the same time, and it's so hard to being the same the, the, the two things. Uh, the two persons, <laughs> uh, the two people, sorry, um, at the same time. So uh, it turned out to be very difficult. I went to university, but I never got my degree, actually, because I I, uh, I, I studied foreign literatures uh, four years in one city. Then I moved to a different city because of track and field. And I swapped university as well. And then I'm a, now I'm a food tech student. I, on my fourth year and I hope I'm going to make it. But, you know, it, uh, that's something that it, at least here in Italy, it's so hard to find, to, to do the, the, the two things at the same time. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we don't really see, isn't it? Like uh, what athletes do behind, you know, uh, in their private lives. And yeah, it's, I didn't know it, was, it, it could be such a struggle, you know, like balancing the two. I feel like it could be possible, but it sounds like it was challenging. So, yeah. I think it's 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 possible. Many athletes are getting their bachelor's degree and master's degree as well. Uh, but I think it depends on your track and field experience because if you're having the same coach uh, for whole of your career, that is going to be easier to have an everyday routine that which is always the same and helps. If you're changing coach, you're changing city every time. You're trying to get into the, the the kind of track and field that you want and uh, you I mean you waste time it's not wasting time but it's not having time to study so uh, I think it really depends on your track and field experience 
You mentioned how uh, difficult it was sort of studying and doing athletics at the same time. Sort of, why did you decide to pursue it? Um, like, why is education so important to you uh, as an athlete? Is it something you want to do in the future? Like, have you got, are you planning ahead? Um, I, I'm not uh, planning, I would say, but I hope I can do something which is giving me uh, satisfaction when I'm done doing some, this track and field thing and so that's the reason why i'm studying and the reason why i study is also that uh is something that puts you closer to your friends and Mm. it's the uh, routine you're actually sharing every day because when you're doing track and field uh yeah you're you're having a, a a different kind of experience compared to the other's life everyday life and it's so hard to share what you're doing. Uh, it's easier for me to share my study routine than my track and field routine. That puts me closer to my friends. And for sure, would you say that sort of having being in an individual sport is quite isolating then, and you sort of feel that having those support networks and sharing your life with other people is really important for you to succeed and have a happy life? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I love being at the track, but yeah. most of the time I'm by myself. So, mm. uh, or with my coach, uh, you know, it's the team sports till when you're 18, 19 and everybody is going to the track and having a nice time. Then you, uh, people quit because they are studying. They are interested in something different. They're not getting paid to do that. So uh, you find yourself by yourself and you're like, okay, uh, first two years, three years, you take time to discover what this track and field uh, professional life is. And then you get used to that and you're like, okay, now I need to explore my inner self, my inner athlete. Of course, you always have a new challenge, uh, but you're by yourself. And uh, it's sometimes it's quite boring. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned your coach there, um, Gianfranco. Like we saw in the video that you kind of explained that he was kind of a, a father figure to you. And so ha- tell us how important he is and how how important he has been so far in your career. Yeah, I think he's the most important person I've known uh, at the track, and he's he's still shaping my uh, high jump experience, my my way of jumping and my way of being into the track, and also my way of competing. it was like a yeah. It really was like a father to me. Uh, I spent so much time with him uh, since when I was fourteen, fifteen, till the till when I was thirty uh, twenty-three. Yes, in two thousand and sixteen. And when I'm thinking about going to the track, I'm thinking about the the way he taught me to 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 go there, and that it it, it you know it's a invisible bound that it's giving sense to what you're doing and every day every time i step into that track uh, there's that that shape that the one he gave me it's i don't know i can't explain it <laughs> yeah it's really interesting to to like see this impact that like a single coach can have on your entire career you know so it's really interesting that you say that that he's yeah. still impacting today 
in your we, performance. Yeah, we've done modules on like the, how important the coach-athlete relationship is, and clearly, like you having Gianfranco, like is so important for you being successful in your sport. Uh, so yeah, it's integral. And uh, so you managed to reach the Rio 2016 Olympics. Tell us, how, like, how did you feel knowing that you you were you were gonna like, compete at the highest stage? That, that was that was kind of weird because you know at that time i was just jumping so uh i i didn't have like a real goal i was just jumping uh competition after competition and that was so easy really? <laughs> yeah so i found myself at the olympics uh uh, thanks to Gianfranco, of course, yeah. <laughs> he made it all. <laughs> <laughs> and there, I experienced the, uh, the 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 best feeling of my athletic experience, and also the most intense tension I had ever experienced, and I've never experienced in my life. Not just up to that moment, but I, I was. I was in the bus uh, before the the final, and I just wanted to to go somewhere else. I don't know. I just wanted to be like a bomb exploding. And and I, in my head, I was thinking, when di- when's this competition coming? When when's this jumping coming? I cannot stand it anymore. I have so much tension. I just want to go. Uh-huh. And that was real power. Power. I mean, that was. A really intense moment and I, I think that was what made my my Olympic result is that that tension that anxiety that feeling that emotion that built the the competition <laughs> too big you say you say you just found yourself at the Olympics because you was just jumping like but surely there was some sort of training that went on before like how hard did you have to work to actually make it to the olympics or was you just naturally gifted <laughs> uh yeah uh, uh, i i always enjoy going to the track so it was so easy to put so much work in oh right. okay you yeah. It, yeah 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 i couldn't feel it i just went to the track to the weightlifting room to uh to the the, the hygiene field and I, and I just did what i had to do mm-hmm. uh it was much more difficult in the days in the years after like having this olympics the tokyo 2021 because i i know where i want to get uh i i'm thinking for myself as an athlete i'm going every day to the track with a single goal in my head and that is kind kind of difficult to handle i mean i think this is going to be my real uh, olympic ex- experience whether i made it or i don't but this is going to be my olympic experience the rio 2016 uh, i know it can sound weird but i really found myself in it yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so key, like talking about that stress and anxiety that you felt and the tension. Uh, so you sort of use that as a learning curve. And so you've gone away. And so have you worked on the mental side of, of your sport and sort of handling that stress and anxiety? Have you gone away and sort of worked on that? Uh, I've been working with a friend of mine with uh, on it. He is a sport psychologist. And yeah, like I'm finding the right words to say to myself when I'm competing, not to panic when uh, 
you know, it's so easy to uh, do more than what it what is needed. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, if you're a thinking person, you would think positively and negatively when you're jumping, and it's way easier to sabotage yourself. <laughs> so true. So true. Then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been working on it, and it was really helpful, especially this winter when I changed coach uh, and I I had been putting so much pressure on myself, and I really wanted to perform to get back to 190 more constantly, and it it really helped me to get in touch with my inner inner self, with my inner feelings and to understand how to handle it, like to um, um, breathing, talking to myself. And uh, it was a really inter interesting experience. Yeah. This is something I've been dying to ask you about because like one of the first times I saw you compete was you doing the pre-performance routine, you know? And I think you're very famous for that because obviously because of your Twitter uh, profile pictures, you doing the actual routine. Tell us more about it. What is all this? John's been so excited to ask you yeah. about this. <laughs> Literally. No, that was, that's my, my um, approach rhythm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like one, two, three, yeah, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And okay. I'm, <laughs> and I'm jumping in my head. But I, I first saw it from an Italian jumper, uh, the one who holds the national record, Antonietta Di Martino. Uh, she was doing something similar, and I was a kid. So when I first made it, I was just coping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was basically coping her. And, but it worked out really well. Uh, I first made it at the uh, World Youth um, oh, okay. in 2009. And I felt really comfy because it, it was uh, like giving a real shape to something that was just in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, it really helped and I kept doing it. Uh, now I'm back at it. Uh, after three years, having a different approach rhythm, which uh, probably wasn't mine, uh, and I'm so happy to get in touch with this, with this movement, with this feeling, with uh, like putting something that I have inside outside myself, and it it, it gets a real consistency. Yeah. No, yeah. So already in your pre-performance routine, we've covered that you do self-talk. And you're currently doing like the the rhythm. Is there anything else you use in your uh, pre-performance routine? So I actually done a dissertation on this. So my project in my undergrad was on a pre-performance wow. routine. And um, during mine, I did it for penalty kicks in football. And they did like I made them do self-talk, um, imagery, and breathing techniques. Um, do you do any like imagery or breathing techniques uh, to sort of yeah. calm yourself down? Yeah, I, I, I try to do imagery and yeah. like in the days before, but oh. uh, that I find I find really difficult because I had many different technic technical mo uh, models. Mm. So it's quite hard to me to see myself from the outside and even to feel from the inside. But uh, yeah, while com uh, before jumping, even during competition, I I try to uh, hear to my heartbeat and to calm it down with through breathing. Uh, I try to get in touch with my body, like uh, try to understand what is going on, 
and mm. and feel if I am overexcited or underexcited, and through breathing, get into the right mood. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you what what you're saying now is like so like within the literature, like you're finding that optimal arousal and. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> everything you're saying now is literally in my dissertation. Yeah. I, I can see through your eyes that you're yeah. really passionate about what you're studying, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. We're sports psychology geeks, so like seeing this in action <laughs> is like wow, <laughs> it's so cool. And what I find really interesting is that because usually in sports, it's sports psychologists that kind of introduce like pre-performance routines to the athletes. But I find that really interesting that. You, you yourself actually developed this. I know you said that you were inspired, but actually applying it to yourself and you know finding your right your personal technique was it's really interesting. Like the, you yourself actually developed it, you know. Yeah, you know, I had uh, some uh, troubles during the past years, and when I started to work with Andrea Aperto, which is the sport psychologist I was talking to you about. It, and we started talking and it was like, oh, you have the right feelings. You, uh, you can remember it. You, you can get into the flow. You can uh, imagine yourself. You, can, you have those kind of feelings. You just need to focus on how they were and get back to them. And it, I, I felt like I had a, uh, like a raw image of what I was doing when I was a kid, when I was younger, and I needed to get a, sh a, sharp, a more sharpened one to get back to it right now, which is really needed. And uh, in this way, he helped me a lot to find the, the, right, the right spots where to get to get back to to get to that feeling yeah so you worked with a sports psychologist obviously within your your high jump so has that translated and benefited you outside of sport possibly or has it just been within sport that sort of you felt the benefits or is it yeah um uh, i would say um i'm i'm using this kind of teams only for high jump and for performance moments, like yeah. exams at university. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I had some uh, psychologist sessions, not talking about sport, just talking about real, um, real life. At least it's real life, but yeah. <laughs> normal life, I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Uh, and... Yeah, that really helped me understand what sports, sports psychology so is. So, in the exam hall, are you going to be doing this? Uh, <laughs> 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 I'll let you know if it works. <laughs> Brighton. <laughs> yeah, Brighton. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, oh, I think you had the question with regards to the psychological attributes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, something that um, my project is being based around this year is sort of finding out what are the most important psychological attributes to become a professional footballer. But something that I wanted to ask um, current guests is, what do you think are the most most important psychological attributes or qualities you feel make a successful high jumper? Um, I think the most important is uh, to be able to slow time down uh, because a high jump is like a box and you have to put the right things in it 
like right speed, right positions, um, right spaces. And it too much is not working, too less is not working. So you have to, to be able to slow time down in order to have a longer time to understand what you're doing in that precise moment. And I think that's the key uh, for jumping. Yeah. yeah sure. there's, there's also, so we, so you, I think you saw, we had the episode with Emily. Uh, yeah. Emily Borthwick, yeah. And she was explaining, because we weren't very familiar with high jump at the time, but she was explaining that there's so many factors that can influence your performance, like the weather conditions, uh, so like all of these factors. How do you kind of cope with it? How, how do you, because one performance can be due to these like factors that you can't control. How, how do you, you know, how do you cope with this, knowing that this could be? Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, what is uh, what is putting me in the uh, right uh, standing point to cope with the competition uh, and with the situation uh, attached to it are uh, uh, thoughts like okay, I'm control, I'm controlling what I can control, which means I'm controlling my action, my jumping. But I'll be uh, flexible enough to understand what is going on around me and, and giving the, the right amount of energy uh, to, to it. I mean, if it's windy, I know it's going to be windy. I, I'm not going to be really uh, scared by that. Uh, I know I can cope with wind. I can control my jump, but at the same time, I, I, I need to understand what the wind is doing. So I'm going to feel it. Um, I'm going to be present in that moment and just cope with the situation. And it's so hard because I think nowadays it's way easy to be distracted by whatever. You always have your mind somewhere else, uh, on the phone, on some other thought. And I mean, my, when I'm jumping, I think it's the moment in my day uh, when I'm the most present. And when I was younger, I didn't have many thoughts about my other life. Uh, so I was more present and it was way easier to jump. I was just enjoying, I was just in that real moment. Now it's so hard. You're thinking about all oh, my coach, uh, all my friends, or oh, tomorrow I'm traveling. And that can be really distracting. And uh, when you're feeling what you're doing, when you're feeling the atmosphere, getting in touch with the crowd, um, seeing the mat properly, the bar properly, uh, it's gonna build a reality with it, with it, which is so strong, and you're gonna be into that perfectly. Yeah, yeah. No, so you, we've talked a lot about there about competing. So within the when you're actually with you in the bar, but what I want to sort of delve into is what are the most important psychological qualities or attributes that are there within training. So is it quite a grueling training like regime, or is it? Um, you train for confidence like what's sort of important for you uh during training i um i, I think i'm training for confidence yeah. i mean i'm i'm building 
I'm building a gym, I'm building my body, I'm yeah. building strength, I'm, and all the features which are needed, like speed and bouncing capacity and whatever. So I'm building. And when I'm jumping, I want to get confidence. Yeah. Uh, of course, I jump is uh, very technical discipline so you need to do many different things and put them all together so when i'm when i'm training what i want to go home with is uh, having many different little pieces which are really well set uh, in order to put them all together when i'm competing yeah okay so one thing i also want to sort of ask about is like so in high jump, it's a lot of you trying to jump the highest possible. Does that require a lot of perseverance and sort of like determination of, of like trying to succeed after setbacks, you know, like because it could be could it be quite frustrating if you're trying to jump over this this height and you just can't quite get it. Like, does that require a lot of perseverance? Man, that's a one million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been i've been jumping 188 four times this year yeah. one one time 191 one time 184 and oh. 188 oh my god i'm 80 <laughs> yeah it's quite frustrating uh, but sometimes it just clicks you know uh and i think you need to stay confident on what you're doing like just keep working don't be too much frustrated about what you're doing some some in some day in some way it's gonna work out it's all about the timing timings and most of the times you don't get it when you want it but <laughs> yeah i think that's also the the nice part i mean you're when I'm training, when I'm competing, I know it's not just about this competition, it's about building a harness career mm. and trying to improve. So I'm giving my my 100% every time, every day, every competition, and that is when I, that is what is going to put you uh, in the mood to be satisfied. I mean, frustration is high when you're not reaching what you want and you can see the bar there and that is going to set a big limit. It's easy to um, uh, be fixed to that 188. Uh, it's much more difficult and challenging uh, trying to find a way to click it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, you've got some really good answers there in terms of what I was looking for, for like psychological attributes <laughs> and qualities. So yeah. thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, it must be also frustrating because you know you can jump the height. But for example, you'd, you've jumped two meters, right? And for you being stuck on that 188, like I completely understand the frustration because you've, pro you've proven it already. So it's like, yeah, it's the small details that count, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have this that feeling about the two meters that I I I can compare to the Rio 2016 Olympics. Uh, my coach made it all. So uh, I was just walking. Then someday I found out I was walking, and I fall <laughs> so, <laughs> while I was walking. <laughs> and then I found out you can you can fall when you're walking. Yeah. Like before, I was just walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but 
yeah, I don't know. I think it's so it's freaking challenging and gives you so much satisfaction and uh, to try to get back to where you where uh, where you can be so easily. In, in some way, uh, it's so hard for myself. I mean, I've been spending my 20s doing high jump and while my friends were building their career and I've done my best result when I was 19 and it was all downhill then man but it's at the same time i'm i'm like okay now uh i know i can click it uh in in some way and that's really that's really challenging Mm -hmm. and i have that goal there save me that i can i just need to find a way and in some way i'm loving it yeah it's all about enjoying the process you'll get there I believe, I believe. Same, same. And you're still at the highest level anyway. So, you know what I mean? It it looks like you're doing the right thing. It's not like it's all downhill because you're still at the top. So, And you've been working with sports psychologists. You added like chips to your shoulder. Like, if anything, you've grown more as a person. It's not always just up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm wondering uh, sometimes? I, I wish I could get to know my colleagues experiences because you can only see them through results you're reading measures and you're imagining what is going on but it may it can be a completely different experience in their head and that i'd really like to get in touch with yeah get them all on the podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll record the podcast and then with them and then we'll send it to you But, uh, that's a good idea then yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do it <laughs> good for us yeah, yeah for sure um you also mentioned that uh traveling is an important part of obviously competing it seems as you guys are always traveling and there's competitions quite close to each other like how how do you kind of cope with the traveling because i imagine it can be quite tiring uh adapting to the like climate the temperature like how is all that for for you uh I think, yeah, sometimes it can be tiring, but also because you're by yourself most of the times. But that's track and field life. That's athlete life. Uh, We train in order to compete. So I think competition is the most important part of the season. I mean, you're you're getting, you're really understanding what what your worth as an athlete is. And you do it through competition just through training and I love to compete I love to be around the only thing that I'm uh, I'm so sad about is that I'm not home <laughs> I wish I could be a little bo- bit more home because it's always on Saturdays and Sundays so <laughs> it, it, that can be a bit sad but it's our life it's our job and it's our passion and it has a time limit so we better do it now and i what what i what i like to do when i'm traveling is uh is to um have a routine like sleeping routine uh eating routine uh, to have some habits which are gonna help me uh, making every day um similar to the uh, previous one and to the next one i mean today i'm traveling i'll be eating at eight i'll be eating at 12 i'll be eating at 
20. It's not because I'm traveling, I'll delay my eating or I'll delay my sleep. And that is, uh, or my training schedule, that is going to be, it's written and that is going to be it. I mean, I'm not changing things just because I'm traveling. I'm trying to do, uh, to arrange things in order to have some fixed points, eating, sleeping, training. And that's my way, but there can be many, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a key to sort of adapt it to the actual traveling environment. But um, you sort of talk there about having that, time limit on your career so i think this is a perfect time to sort of move on to sort of your interest and hobbies outside of sport so what do you see yourself doing when your career is over especially on your saturdays and sundays you say (laughs) yeah drinking beer (laughs) (laughs) um when i when i was younger and i was studying uh uh, literatures I, i wanted to be uh a teacher and I really thought that still was possible to me. Then I found out that in Italy, if you're not doing some uh, like public, uh, 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 I don't know how is it called, when you put your name in the list and you get some point and then they will call you to go to and teach to a school. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, there's, in Italy there's, there's a list. Okay. Yeah, okay. You get some points. Uh, while you're doing your um, uh, your trainee time and okay. then you get called and you start doing your teaching career uh, but you gotta be young to do that so I won't be able to do that now <laughs> um, uh, then I, I study I started studying uh, food tech and uh, I really hope I can make uh, that my job one day uh, because I think yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, here in Italy, we have a big uh, tradition about culinary arts and uh, food. Mm, Italian food is something we we really in love with. <laughs> I'll send you some prosciutto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I, hope I, I really hope I can work with food someday. That's way easier, yeah. I'm not too familiar with like food tech. I don't know about you all, but what does it kind of involve? Like, what, what do you kind of do? Yeah, you can do many different things. It's not, it's not very specific. Uh, uh, you can decide to be like um, closer to an engineer. So like uh, being part of the production process or you can uh, do HACCP controls like the arsenal analysis risk uh, oh. or on the other side you can also be closer to a journalist like or a marketing guy uh, like promoting foods because you know what you're working with like the raw uh, raw yeah. ingredients you're working with you have a big knowledge about uh, food tradition so you can do different things uh, just about what you like more I'm, uh, I like the uh, the uh, arts part more than the scientific part. Okay. What yeah. sort of is the like arts part? And I don't really is because what when I think of food tech, I think of like potentially like becoming like a nutritionist for, yeah. for for things. So that's sort of my understanding. But in terms of arts, what do you mean by that? Uh like um like yeah, 
promoting food, having okay. having to do with tourism, uh, getting people to uh, getting people closer to all the products we're losing because of uh, uh, in, industrial yeah. production. I would say. Okay, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> learning something new. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> you know, it's it's too easy to to speak about food for Italian people. We're so boring with that. <laughs> oh, man, I love Italian food. <laughs> What's your favorite Italian dish? Oh. Just one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm joking. Um, I like pizza. I, um, it's yeah, it's too good. Can't go wrong. And uh, <laughs> what are your opinions on having pineapple on pizza? Man, I have a story here. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandma had some uh, Australian relatives, so. She was doing pineapple pizza. Uh, I used to have it when I was a kid. So it's kind of, it's a, a kid's memory to me. Yeah. No. And I have it actually. Oh, wow. My friends are making fun of this and just like, oh, you can't have Italian passport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my no, opinion of you has gone down, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm happy then because you 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 English yeah. and I'm so proud we're spreading Italian yeah, yeah, yeah. taste to the world. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, we I love food. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite, John? Italian dish. I don't know. I, like, I love a carbonara. Yeah, carbonara. Oh, carbonara. Bolognese is also a shout. No, oh, mom, yeah. My mum just always makes bolognese, so I'm, I'm bored of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, maybe if I go to Italy, it's like 100 times nicer than just my mum's bolognese. <laughs> when you come into Italy, just come to my house. We can... Yeah, for sure. We'll, we can we'll cook. cook. <laughs> Let's go. Perfect. Do you want to move on to the questions then, all? Yeah, so um, obviously you know that we asked our audience uh, on Instagram, Facebook groups, uh, Twitter, etc., um, if they had any questions for you, and we actually got quite a few, so we'll ask them you now one by one um, and see what your answers are. Okay. So the first one was, uh, what do you focus on in the moments before and during the moment you're about to jump? Um, when I'm when I'm there standing and waiting to start my approach, uh, I think about the rhythm, yeah. the one we were talking about before. before. And... Uh, and then I focus on thinking about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair That's enough. cool. <laughs> um, the second question was, how do you overcome failed attempts? Um, every attempt is first attempt or every attempt is last attempt. Okay. No future, no past. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, the third one was, do you listen to any music while training? And if so, what type of music do you like? Um, I, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not listening uh, so much. Uh, sometimes I do, but I wouldn't say it's something I'm uh, really comfy with. I like to understand what is going on around me. Too busy listening to Master in the Mind podcast. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> if not rocking music. 
Okay. Yeah. Can't yeah. go wrong with rocky music. <laughs> <laughs> Motivating. Yeah. And the last question was, what do you enjoy doing outside of training and competing? Being with friends. Yeah. yeah. A lot, especially after coronavirus. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah. How was that for you? How was that for you, the, the kind of experience of like coronavirus and as an athlete? Italy was quite bad at the start as well, I, yeah. if I remember correctly. I remember Syria cancelling quite early. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were uh, quite close. Mm. Uh, same time this year, last year, this time last year, we were home. Uh, yeah, after that, uh, after summer, we went through uh, some lockdown period, but it was uh, not as hard as the first one. So uh, I could train. Mm, I had no troubles with that. All the facilities were open for professional athletes, so we could just go and train. Uh, it was we were lucky in some way because still we could get out of the house and go to the track. Uh, I think it was much harder for people doing smart work. And uh, so my boyfriend here, he was, he was just being in the house. And I, I, I think that for him, it was quite more difficult than, than to me. Uh, I just, I had a, some kind of routine. I went out and I, I felt, really lucky um, yeah yeah that's it yeah fair enough yeah i mean covid was uh but so bad for me i couldn't get into a routine i felt it's so difficult being indoors like especially when studying i feel like i have to be in like a working environment and when i'm at home i really struggle so yeah yeah i see it yeah and i think uh, i mean if you're like doing things it's so hard to be home. You're never getting a really fun time. I think we miss divertissement. Yeah, no, it's definitely made me appreciate like going out, seeing friends, and sort of living my life rather than <laughs> just being rather than just being so tunnel vision on like studies and like being stressed about results and stuff. Like just yeah. going out and, and just having a good time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's all the questions that we had for you. So we really thank you for coming on. Um, we sort of give every guest uh, like a minute or 30 seconds to sort of cover anything that's going on in their life, their socials and things like that. Obviously, they'll all be in, in the description down below. But um, is there anything you want to say sort of to co <laughs> cover the episode? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad we talk about mental aspects of, uh, of competition and training and everyday life because it's something that we never talk about i mean yeah. we're talking with our psychologists and that's all so it's nice to be chatting at, about this and thank you then yeah. no <laughs> thank you for sharing it. yeah thank you for sharing your experiences yeah i think it's so important to sort of talk about the mental side of sport because a lot of people forget how important it is to actually being successful so yeah thanks for coming on and sharing your experiences with the mental side of sport because i feel it will help a lot of people and so, us yeah and de <laughs> definitely is um so yeah uh we hope you enjoyed this episode if you could please share this with your friends or someone you'd feel would benefit from it and most importantly like subscribe and comment down below any topics or guests you'd like us to cover in the future or get on in the future other than that thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one bye guys <laughs>